Hello, my name is Jay Metha, and you're listening to The Voice Podcast. This month's edition of The Voice is centered around the presidential election. So I thought on this month's edition of the podcast, we would look at this issue of the moment from a different angle. This has been the worst election cycle this country has ever seen. You've heard that before. It's an idea that seems to answer all our questions about the day-to-day filth that's run around on the campaign trail. Now don't get me wrong, it hasn't been a particularly clean or substantive campaign, but I wanted to investigate the validity of that statement. So I talked to Dr. Nierman and Mr. McGee about just that. It is by no means the ugliest that we've ever had. Uh, Some of the uglier elections have been, uh, they've all been in previous centuries. So what is it that makes this election cycle seem unique? There's a lot more sensationalism surrounding this election because there are so many different forms of media. This podcast being an example of it, um, you know, for most of American history, media was limited. Even in most of the 20th century, media was limited to the three major networks. So the 24-hour news cycle is a reality in that they have to come up with a news story every 24 hours. The, the complement to that is that any breaking story is old in 24 hours. So if 2016 is in the worst election in history, what is? According to Dr. Nierman, the list is long. There's Abraham Lincoln's election in 1860. I just think that one is by far the most divisive because even before Lincoln is sworn in, half of the country says, we hate Lincoln so much we are leaving the country before, uh, before um, uh, rather, we would leave the country rather than have him as our president. So by the time he's sworn in, uh, 11 southern states have seceded. And I always think uh, Lincoln must have felt like such crap uh, to take office knowing that people hate you that much. They, uh, they don't want to be associated with any government that you are leading. And of course, we have the Civil War that stems from that election in 1860. And there's more. What we might think of today as the most divisive campaign in recent memory might have taken place in the 1960s, or more specifically, 1968. The one in 68 uh, had uh, Richard Nixon promising a return to law and order. Um, And in 1968, the Democratic Convention uh, witnessed all kinds of mayhem outside its convention doors, where there was a police riot. People were arrested in the streets. The mayor of Chicago called out 10,000 um, uh, U.S. or 10,000 National Guardsmen. We had tanks in the streets. It was 1968 presidential election was insane. It really was, and 
he also reminded me it was the same campaign where Robert Kennedy was assassinated. And according to Mr. McGee, even the election four years before that, what you might remember as LBJ Goldwater, was pretty dirty. If you look at some of those campaign commercials, the very famous um, Daisy commercial yeah. where the little girl is pulling the petals off the flower and then all of a sudden it morphs into this nuclear countdown and, and basically they're <laughs> saying, if you vote for Goldwater, you're going to destroy the world and, and this little girl is going to be reduced to ashes. I mean, that's pretty... You don't see commercials like that. And he's right. In fact, that commercial was only aired one time. The rest of its fame comes from the fact that it was run over and over again by the news media. However, there was one thing that Dr. Newman mentioned that really caught my ear. The ones that immediately come to mind be that election in 1828, um, and then actually the preceding one, 1824. Those were really ugly. Um, uh, charges of uh, voter fraud, charges of um, uh, manipulations um, in, in the electoral process. Uh, and in that 1824 election, the final vote eventually had to go to the House of Representatives uh, because the, the, uh, the standard procedure of elections and the popular vote and the electoral vote didn't give a clear winner. Uh, and that, in the election in 1824 and 1828, you had that, um, who by most historian standards is the first modern uh, political candidate, um, uh, Andrew Jackson, who was famous for dueling, uh, famous for beating people up, uh, famous for all kinds of incendiary actions. So at this point, if you're like me, you're immediately drawn to the idea that maybe we've seen another Andrew Jackson this year in Donald Trump, who, whether you like him or not, has been accused of incendiary actions and incendiary language. In addition, it turns out that in 1824, his opponent was John Quincy Adams, the former Secretary of State. However, looking forward, what may be most helpful when looking at the context for 2016, or any election for that matter, may be to look at the aftermath of those historic, divisive elections. What happened after 1860? What happened after 1824 and 1828? Well, it turns out, in both those cases, what followed was a political reconstruction of sorts. In 1824, John Quincy Adams won, and in 1828, Andrew Jackson came back and took the White House. What happened there was the Democratic-Republican Party was essentially dissolved, and what came in in its place was the Democratic Party, led by Andrew Jackson. In 1860, when uh, Abraham Lincoln won the White House basically on a third-party bid, it saw the Whig Party moved out and in its place, the Republican Party was instated. And a few years ago, this happened with the Democratic Party. Not so much that her party was removed or brought in, but that there was a definite rebuilding of the Democratic Party. And whether or not this happens after 2016, it is a natural progression, according to Mr. McGee. I think it's a natural progression. I think it's a natural progression of what has remained stable, a two-party system, in that who the Republicans represent today is very different from who they represented in 1860, who 
what we call the Democratic Party today represents is very different from who it represented in 1860 or prior to 1824. One of the, I don't know, phenomenon maybe, of the parties is that they want to stay in office, so they shift to represent people who will keep them in office. And according to Mr. McGee, we might see that this year. I think this election, we might look back on this one and say, okay, this is where the political system in general and the political party system in particular refocused and reset themselves because there's a lot of negativity in this campaign. And I think it's also the last last gasp of a few groups that, you know what, it's time for them to have their last gasp on both sides. Uh, I'm not pinpointing one party or the other, but things have to change. And according to Mr. McGee, this is a good thing. The competition among the political parties is always good. Um, you know, being threatened, their existence being threatened is always good. It's, yeah. it's going to force them to change. I mean, and nobody likes change, but it's a, and it's, it's a statement that I always remind myself of. If, if you don't like change, you're going to like being irrelevant even less. That's all for this episode. Big thanks to Dr. Nierman and Mr. McGee for speaking to me. Thanks to Spencer Thut for providing the music for this podcast. And of course, thank you for listening.